Hey everyone, welcome back. It is Thursday night, my favorite guy of the week, because as you know, that means it's time for another episode of Disney Co. In The Know podcast. This is episode 13, and on tonight's show, Disney CEO Bob Chapek talks with MSNBC about park reopenings. Disney Springs is set to open in a few days. One of our favorite Broadway shows is coming to Disney Plus, and we discuss our favorite Walt Disney World boat rides. I am Bruce Beal, and tonight I am joined by Disney Co. In the Know contributors, Elizabeth. Hello. Hannah. Hey, y'all. And Lydia. Yep. It is good to have you guys on the show tonight, but before we get to this week's Disney news, this podcast is sponsored by 407 and Beyond Vacation Company, Disney and Universal experts who help plan your family's perfect vacation. So all you have to do is show up, have fun, and create family memories. As always, our services are of no cost to you. Visit us on the web at www.407vacations.com. And to stay in the know, visit our blog page at www.407vacations.com backslash in the know. Well, there is a lot of anticipation for the upcoming week at Disney with a lot going on, even some reopening. So let's just go straight to the news. Um, Elizabeth, why don't you go ahead and uh, get us started? Okay, so you can actually check this article out on um, the blog on 407 Vacations. Um, Bruce wrote about it. So the CEO came and talk, um, talked to, is it C? MSNBC. Um, MSN, MSNBC. And they had a discussion talking about from parks, theme parks, to ESPN, to Disney+. Plus. So he covered a lot of questions that people were having, and the thing that we were most interested in was the parks, of course, because just last week, um, Shanghai did reopen at 30% capacity. And so our questions were, how is that going to translate to not only stateside, but also to Tokyo and Hong Kong? And he seemed pretty optimistic. He seemed, um, within the interview, he talked a lot about that people were following the rules um, very well, you know, wearing the mask that he's anticipating will happen stateside, um, temperature, 30% um, capacity within the parks. Um, and all of that is going well in Shanghai. So they're thinking it will translate well over into the States. However, he would not comment specifically. She asked, um, what, are you thinking a July reopen? And he wouldn't comment on that. Um, so I think we know going into it that we're probably going to be having to wear a mask, which he did comment, which I was interested in, um, that he's like, I know it's going to be warm out. And so this will be something that we will have a challenge of. Um, and then also commented on having a temperature check and staying, um, the six feet apart for social distancing. Um, and I also found it to be interesting because she asked, um, if you, think that the parks will ever get back to 100% capacity this year. And he does seem optimistic that um, that will happen. Um, so that's always good to read and um, hear um, as well. And then a few other key things that I thought were interesting that he talked about were Disney Plus. Um, he talked about, she asked, you know, what are some of the, um, do you have enough basically um, video for the next you know, few weeks because, uh, or months because of production. And so, um, he was commenting that a lot of the shows that they've created, like Mandalorian, for example, is in post-production. So that will definitely be releasing on its date that it's supposed to be, which is exciting for Star Wars fans. He also talked about, um, the push of Milan. Milan was supposed to release at the end of March. Um, and now it's going to be July and they're actually going to be at the theaters for Milan. So I can't wait for us to all go. Um, and so he had some great insight on that. 
And then he also mentioned um, the ESPN, the sports, um, you know, what that looks like. And he was commenting that um, it's actually been up. ESPN has 11% up um, from what it normally would be um, because of having certain, um, like the NFL draft they had. And then, um, but he did not comment if any sports will be happening, um, live action sports. So overall, it was a really good interview. He gave some really good answers. Um, he commented that Disney loves to stay optimistic, um, which after listening to the interview, I felt optimistic after it. And um, I just think we have to keep doing our part to not spread COVID, washing hands, staying six feet apart, and we can get back to Disney soon, hopefully. All right. Uh, yeah, that, that's okay. a lot of good information from... Uh, <laughs> a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> from that, just from that it. interview. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but I, I wanted to piggyback off of that a little bit and just discuss, I saw a BuzzFeed article on the opening days of Disneyland Shanghai. Um, they had been closed for three and a half months and they just opened up their doors again on Monday of this week. Um, and they, they had several accounts posting on there about what, what it looked like for guests to wear the mandatory masks. Um, it showed all of the tape on the floor, whether it be for, uh, attractions or shows. Um, and it, it did show the temperature screenings, which I thought was really interesting. It looked like, uh, a tool that they use on the forehead. Um, there were three levels of temperatures, I guess. Um, and if you didn't qualify in the green, which was the good to go um, temperature, then you were refused entry into the parks. So um, I thought this was really interesting. And I, I can only imagine that we're going to see similar, if not identical measures taken at domestic parks. And that's what he was yeah. commenting on. Yep. Go ahead, Lydia. This you're in the okay, for everyone who doesn't know, I call Elizabeth this. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm not saying another word, um, but um, this is I'm not in the medical field, and so this might be a completely stupid question. But like when you're in Disney, it's sometimes like a hundred degrees, and they take your temperature. Like, does the temperature affect your internal temperature? Like, will they have to it take does. that into account? Mm -hmm. Speaking for someone who works in the medical field, it does have an effect on your, um, on your, the external will affect your internal. And actually, um, the opening day, I was following a girl on Instagram and she is a teacher in, um, Shanghai and she went on opening day and I was following her stories and she actually tested high. Um, and she, I don't know how much I should disclose of this, but they told her to just walk away. She walked away for a little bit. Um, she put, drank some cold water, um, and she came back and they reread her temperature and she was fine. Um, so I think that's an interesting point. And he had mentioned, Bob had mentioned in the interview, um, like along kind of piggybacking off of that about the face masks, Asian culture, it's very normal for them to wear face masks, um, prior to COVID. Um, it's just part of their culture. Um, here it's going to be a little bit different in the States. So I think it's going to be, I think that transition maybe was a little bit easier because they already kind of follow some of the precautions already. So it will be interesting to see how that translates to stateside. So, yeah, yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. And I know that like here in Ohio, there was a lot of kind of kickback about the masks. They tried to make it mandatory for going into shops and people got pretty upset. Um, and obviously going to Disney isn't a mandatory thing. It's, you know, a, 
a fun thing and an experience that you get to have. And if you don't comply with their rules, you're not going to be allowed in. But I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see how people react. And I hope that people will like be willing to follow those precautions and stuff. Um, yeah for the whole time while they're in the parks. And I think that most of the people who will want to go to Disney when this is done, will be willing to like follow those measures and keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's what it boils down to. It boils down to everyone being safe. Um, it might be super uncomfortable and it might just get really hot, but at the end of the day, you're back at Disney, you're healthy, hopefully. And you have to wear a mask and get your temperature checked. You know, I think bottom line, it's okay. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if this will affect like their busy season. Like if people will be less likely to go in the summer because of having to wear a mask. Like if this mask continues for like the next year or so, you know, like maybe people will be more open to going in the off season, like when it's like January or February. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Something people might about. be more willing to go in the off season now too, because when they open, they are going to be at a limited capacity. We're assuming so Right. In order to go, you may have to wait until the off season just because of numbers. So we might get to kind of see a, an increase in people going in the off season and experiencing some of the cool things then too. I'm also interested in how they'll do the limited capacity. When he was talking on the interview, he was saying that um, they sell the tickets. So they sell them a week in advance. Um, and so I was like trying to think how that would work in Florida since, you know, you have families coming in from across the United States planning trips. You have people who live down in Orlando, just going over to Orlando, um, how that's going to. So Elizabeth, I can, I can talk to that point. That is, uh, that ticket, uh, sales, um, technique or parameter is unique to Disneyland Shanghai. So I don't think that Mm -hmm. they're going to try that here in the States. Right. And that's um, what he was saying. It's unique to them. And um, he, they're going to start increasing over there um, each week. They're going to watch the numbers, but they're going to increase guests um, by 5,000 guests each week um, at this point. So, um, and release more tickets. So I, th- I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting how they will control that in the States. Yeah. I think I, uh, to all of your points, um, I, I really think that guests here in the States are going to need to get used to, uh, these parameters being at the parks. I think this is going to be the new norm for quite a while. Um, and, and people need to remember, I think it was to Hannah's point that Disney is private property and they, they want to open, they want guests to come. Yes. They, they're, they're losing parks and, um, resorts revenue. And so they want to open, but it is private property. So they can set these parameters. They want to have guests in, but also keep guests safe. So, um, you know, if you want to enter a Disney park, I think for the foreseeable future, you're going to need to, uh, to wear the mask and also have your temperature taken perhaps. So, um, but you know, um, we'll, we'll, uh, keep, keep you all posted on the blog page and I'm sure on, uh, episodes to come as, uh, we get closer to, uh, Disney world and, uh, Disneyland reopenings. So, uh, thanks a lot for the news story, Elizabeth. Hannah, let's, uh, let's go to you. What do you have for us this week? So Disney Springs, which was formerly known as Downtown Disney until 2015, is set to reopen on May 20th. So super exciting. Very pumped. Mm-hmm. That is Wednesday. Um, they're going to be opening. So Disney Springs has 104 shops, 64 dining stations, and 23 live shows. Not all of those things are going to be opening at once. They're going to be opening things a little bit at a time. Um, And they're actually starting with the shops and the restaurants that are owned by third parties, not the ones owned by Disney. 
So the third party shops and restaurants are the ones that are going to be opening up first. And this is all following in accordance with the phases laid out by Florida's government for reopening. Um, they're going to be following um, some measures to keep everyone safe. Masks are required by all guests and all workers and cast members. Um, they're going to have increased training in safety and health measures for the workers. Um, and then there's also going to be limited contact between guests and the service members. So super excited that Disney here in the States is kind of starting to roll some things out and get some things open again. Um, I'm super pumped. Yeah. I think it's interesting um, not to go back to my article, but he had mentioned that the similar, the, um, I forget what it's called in Shanghai, um, like their downtown Disney was open for a month prior to them opening up the park. So I wonder if this will be like open for a month and then maybe they'll start to open up parks. I don't know. I was just thinking about that when you said that Hannah, so that could be maybe a possibility. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, um, from what I understand, I believe you can't purchase tickets to Disney until July. So that kind of month That's from true. the opening of Disney Springs to a possible park opening would make sense with that timeline. But right now they haven't released any information on the parks and resorts opening or um, the Disney owned stores in Disney Springs opening either. Right now it's just those third party. Yeah, Elizabeth, I think that's a great point because I, I, I think that they're going to try to model what was going on or the, the reopening strategy at um, Shanghai. So um, I, I think they're going to test the, the mask wearing and the temperature taking and that type of stuff at Disney Springs and then see how they can implement that in the parks. So um, I think that's a good point. Um, Hannah, I did um, find a few uh, rumors and, and news about which um, restaurants potentially might be opening uh, for sure. So I, I have heard that um, Joffrey's Coffee and Tea Company will be open, Haagen-Dazs Ice Cream, The Polite Pig, Morimoto Asia and Morimoto Asia Street Food, STK Orlando, Wine Bar George, Wolfgang Puck Bar and Grill, and there's, there's some more. But those are kind of the, the headliners that I have heard um, are going to be part of this initial opening of Disney Springs. Fantastic. That seems like a, a nice variety of, of restaurants that are opening as well. So hopefully yeah. that'll pull some people in. And, and in similar news, um, I do know that um, CityWalk over at Universal opened this week um, and yeah. they're going through a similar strategy. So uh, social distancing, mask wearing, um, and limited restaurants being open. So um, if you've been following along on social media, on on the uh, parks reopening um, you'll see photos from city walks uh, attempts at reopening i have not heard of any issues yet um, coming from that so hopefully that's a good sign that disney springs can uh, mimic and do the same yeah it was interesting um seeing watching social media yesterday or a few days ago um with the reopening and i was following along someone going into voodoo donuts which is like one of my favorite places over there and um it was quite the process to just get some donuts so they had to like wait outside only one customer was allowed in at a time um they were only allowed to talk to the one cashier then that cashier like swapped out they walked them out and then there's a very famous um, photo which we've posted on our Instagram before of us uh, sitting in the Voodoo Donuts chair. It's a very famous chair down there that you can sit in and it's 
covered with donuts and everything. And um, they had a cast member out there wiping down the chair so people could still get their photo um, with the, the famous <laughs> chairs. So it was kind of weird to see. Um, it was also, you know, we haven't seen a lot of like social media live in the park stuff, obviously. So it was kind of weird, like seeing stuff, um, but also really warms the heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I was muted there. Um, yeah, I, it, it is good to see, uh, you know, things reopening in, in a safe manner. So, um, now that we've, we've covered the parks and, and city walk and Disney Springs, let's talk about what we can watch on Disney Springs to, um, you know, to, to cover our time. So Lydia, what do you have for us, um, with, uh, what's coming to Disney, Disney plus? Uh, so this is super exciting. Um, so <laughs> Hamilton, you guys hear me? Uh, no, hold on. We'll, we'll give you a second here for your internet connection to go back. Um, you're just chopping out there. So go ahead and try it again. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Oh, quarantine. So <laughs> Hamilton is hitting Disney plus July 3rd and they actually are doing that just in time for independence day. So, um, this is over a year in advance of, the movie's planned um, theater release, which was going to be October 15th of 20, and they fast-tracked it, actually, because of the pandemic and everything going on. Um, and it's good cast, which is, like, the best part of it. Um, and the film is comprised of three performances from 2016. Did you guys guess my interesting where? We're, we're getting, we're getting parts of that. So, um, so what, what I can reiterate while your internet connection goes back is that this is releasing a year early and will be released on July 3rd, right? Um, right in time for mm -hmm. the 4th and you were giving us some further details. So let's see if we can go back to Lydia. So it's, um, the original cast, which is the best part about this. Um, just let me know if this internet breaks out. Um, and so it was filmed in 2016 and it's comprised of three performances. So, um, it's going to, um, I'm sorry, but the main thing that's coming from this is they're worried that Disney plus is going to censor it, which I thought was an interesting, um, topic. So, um, Disney plus has already censored a few things. Um, they censored a post credit scene in toy story two where stinky Pete promises to Barbies that he can get them into toy story three. And they did that in light of the me too movement, which totally makes sense. And then they censored a partial bare butt in the 1984 film splash. So they've done a few things. Um, a New York Times reporter um, found out that, you know, they might take out a few words here and there, um, but they won't take out any sections, which is good to know. Um, but for the most part, they were actually talking about how, like, um, you know, the F word is actually already censored in Hamilton and a few of the songs. So, like, that's to the original soundtrack. Um, and sometimes it's not. So we'll just have to see what happens. But hopefully, like, they won't cut any scenes because the internet's going to freak out if they do, I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited to see it. I'm so glad that they're bringing this to, you know, everyone, especially since, you know, 
theaters have been closed, movie theaters are closed. This will be a great addition to Disney Plus. And, um, you know, I've only seen it once live, so I cannot wait to just constantly stream it over and over and over again. <laughs> I have a confession to make. I have actually never seen it or listened to the soundtrack. Oh. You've never even listened to the soundtrack? <laughs> nope. So, as someone who Hannah. hasn't seen it or doesn't know anything about it, do you guys feel like watching it on Disney Plus is going to be like a an okay introduction to the story in the show? Uh, I don't think it's going to be like as fantastical, um, like phenomenal, I guess would be the right word. But um, I think it's still going to be great. Like I've seen uh, Broadway shows like in a movie form and it's still really good. And they, they even reassured audience. are like, this is professionally done. Like this is good. Like they'll make sure like, so I don't think it's going to be like you sitting in the audience and it's just going to be like a flat camera on the stage, you know, like it sounds like they're going to be like up front, like with the characters more, but it is in a stage setting. So you won't see like, you know, a different backdrop or anything like that. There'll still be stage lighting. Um, it's not like a film. So they're still going to be singing and rapping everything. There won't be like lines. So it's literally like the actual production just on the screen now. And I think the hardest part, I think the thing, since Bruce and I have both seen it live in Chicago, and um, it's just incredible how it can, they just never stop. And I don't know if you'll actually understand that, like watching it on Disney Plus, if that makes sense. Like, you yeah. might think like, oh, they're stopping here and they're taking a break, but they never stop. The only time they stop is intermission. And so they never stop singing. They never stop. At, like, it is incredible because, like, mm -hmm. that's half, I think, half of it, you know. So I think that's going to be maybe a part that you might miss a little bit um, from not seeing it live. But I also would recommend listening to the soundtrack first and then watching it because that helped, I think, a lot just with following along and understanding and hearing some of the, the stuff. I can you are, my like, whole history, collection of stuff. <laughs> if you are a history buff, I mean, you don't have to listen to it beforehand. My dad didn't listen to it beforehand, and he knows how, you know, history happened. So um, if you're already familiar with how our country got started and Hamilton's hand in that, then um, I think you'll be fine, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think those are all valid points. I would also add that I don't really have a whole lot of concern about this translating into... Um, a show um, that we watch on TV as opposed to see it on stage. Um, because even when you just listen to Hamilton music, you can get the emotion, you can get the feeling and everything else. So I can only imagine that's going to be enhanced seeing it on, uh, on the screen. Now, I don't know if anything will be watching it live in person in the theater, but I do think that they're going to do a really good job with the adaptation to, to the screen. So um, I'm really excited. I can't wait for this to come out. Me too. So, yeah, I'm just excited I'm just to see like, the original I'm, cast. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lydia. I am too. Yeah, I'm excited too because like we, um, you know, even if you see it live on stage, like you still think like, man, I wish that was Lynn up there. You know what I mean? So it's going to be really cool to actually see them um, doing it. I mean, I've watched like when the original cast performed it at the Tonys and I got goosebumps. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that it's going to be just as good, if not better when um i mean it will be better when they put it on disney plus since it is the actual performance and lin-manuel had so much disney 
now, like under his belt, like Moana, um, Mary mm-hmm. Poppins Returns. Um, I know a few other things that he's working on. And so I think people are know, know who he is now more um, than just Hamilton. And I think they're going to really appreciate watching him um, up on the stage as well. So I'm excited to see him. Yeah. Totally. Um, totally agree. Uh, Lydia, thanks a lot for uh, telling us about Hamilton. Yeah. We Sorry, are can't wait. garbage. That, that, that is okay. <laughs> that happens. That's part of doing these podcasts on Zoom. So right. I, uh, I'm sure our listeners and viewers understand. So, um, <clears throat> thanks, guys. so with that, um, let's move over to our discussion of the week which is our favorite Walt Disney World boat rides. So um, Disney World is sort of famous for having these great immersive boat rides as attractions. And so today we are going to talk about our individual uh, favorite boat rides. So just to kind of get us going a little bit and in the mood to think of boat rides, I've comprised a list of 10 of them throughout Walt Disney World Parks to get us started. So we have the Liberty Square Riverboat at the Magic Kingdom, the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros in Epcot World Showcase, the Navi River Journey in Pandora Animal Kingdom, Living with the Land at Epcot, It's a Small World and Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom, the Jungle Cruise and Adventureland at Magic Kingdom, Frozen Ever After in World Showcase, Pirates of the Caribbean in Adventureland at Magic Kingdom, Cali River Rapids at Animal Kingdom, and Splash Mountain in uh, Frontierland at the Magic Kingdom. So um, I just wanted to provide a list. You don't have to necessarily pick from those, but just to kind of get us going on what qualifies as a boat ride. One thing you, one attraction you will not find on this list is Peter Pan's flight, because even though you're in a boat ride, there's no water. So, um, so let's, let's start with, uh, Lydia, Lydia, what is your favorite boat attraction at Walt Disney world? So I'm going big. I love splash mountain. Um, it's just, it's so great. I'll give you guys a little background on it. So it's based on the 1946 film song of the South, which is actually kind of controversial and, um, it's not on Disney plus, so you won't be able to watch it in order to prepare for this ride. But the good thing is you don't really need to watch it. It's just, it takes the animals um, that are featured in the film and kind of talks about that a little bit. And um, it's just so cute. It has the famous zippity doodah song, which even if you've never ridden the ride, you probably have heard the song some point in your life. And it follows an almost 12 minute storyline of Briar Rabbit as he leaves his cute little briar patch to go on adventures and he's getting hunted by a fox and a bear the whole time. So it's pretty cute. Um, some fun facts, which I think are awesome. There's five drops. My favorite one is when you go into the bees. That one's really fun. Cause it kind of, um, that one. it's like down and then goes back up and then goes back down again. So that was a blast. And then there's the big one, of course, which is just over, um, 50 feet and you get up to speeds of 45 miles an hour, which I had no idea. And I was like, Oh my gosh, no wonder I screamed my <laughs> lungs out. when I found that ride. Um, I mean, that's pretty fast, like, you know, so, um, of course, fast passes are available. This is one of the most popular attractions in the magic kingdom. Um, I was going to ask you guys, uh, Bruce or Elizabeth, you know, I don't know. I remember like running to get the, um, paper fast passes in the morning when we'd show up mm-hmm. as a family and it was like, okay, dad, and I will go to Splash Mountain, mom and Elizabeth and Meredith, you guys go to Space Mountain, go. And it was like a team effort. 
but um, now it's of course all digital. You use it with your magic bands. Um, so how does that work? Like, do the fast passes go really fast? Have you noticed with um, um, with the God? I just lost my train of thought. Splash, Splash Mountain. Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that's a good question, and and I it, it's really funny that you asked that because uh, we just had a show not long ago on YouTube and on iTunes about fast pass strategy at the magic kingdom. And I think it was uh, Evan who suggested that you got to get one for splash mountain. So um, splash mountain is, you know, one of the premier mountains, if you will, at the magic kingdom, along with big thunder and space mountain. And those fast passes do go pretty quick, um, especially, you know, being in the Florida heat, everybody likes to have a water rod where you get <clears throat> wet a little bit. And, um, and lines can get a little lengthy for Splash Mountain. Um, another thing to keep it in mind though, that sometimes during the winter months, this attraction goes down for refurbishment. And so um, it might not be available certain months out of the year um, for that reason. But Elizabeth, do you have anything on the Fast Pass Plus side? Well, I was just going to say um, my strategy for it, which you can't, like Bruce said, we just did a whole podcast on strategy with fast passes in the Magic Kingdom, um, which is really fun. So you have to take a listen to that. But my strategy with this ride is get the fast pass, make sure it's in your top three that when you get it in the morning, um, because it's warm in Florida. So it's going to be much easier to dry off in the Florida sunshine as you're walking through the park. And then um, if you don't mind, like, skipping um the nighttime show and the parade it's a great ride to get back on because the lines are very very short in the evening and i absolutely love this ride in the evening because when you come up and you're just um coming through the mountain you get a glimpse of cinderella's castle and sometimes you can catch the fireworks and it's just really peaceful and it gives you a nice view um from frontier land um and so then you can get back on, you know, get back on the ride. We've done that multiple times where we'll get off the ride. There's no line because the nighttime show is happening and we, you know, consistently do it. So there definitely, there's definitely a strategy to this ride. <laughs> yeah. Lydia, did you know that when you are going up Chickapin Hill uh, or before you go down, excuse me, the, the big hill that when you look up um, and you see, you know, outside um, from the caves, that is the the side profile of Mickey Mouse. So it has its own hidden Mickey, but built into. Um, oh, really? Built into the mountain. Yeah. So it's. The is side it like profile. his? The side, so does it have his nose and everything? Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh! Exactly. I did not know that. That's yep. a fun fact. Have I have some that other. Right? Oh, go ahead. This. Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just had some ahead. other. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead. So okay. I have some other like fun tips um to keep in mind. Um perfect. So yeah, this you did cover the one about writing it at night. I absolutely love writing it at night. It's actually I enjoy it more writing it at night than during the day. And you might not dry off as quick, but you know, you can go back to the hotel. So um I we have so many great memories on this. My mom is famous for covering her entire body in a poncho when we <laughs> ride this ride. <laughs> Not <fair>. And <laughs> so um, I don't think I've ever seen her face on the camera. Um, so, but that's of course something you guys can do. They do allow ponchos on. You can cover up if you don't want to get wet. Um, you can also do a lot of fun poses. There's so many great ideas out there for posing on this ride for the camera when you're going down the big hill. I've seen stuff. I always do the double peace sign. I'm not a fan of Nixon, but I just do it. Um, 
you people have held up signs people have asked um other people in the boat to marry them um people have been like eating nonchalantly or like reading the newspaper um people are playing chess i saw people playing monopoly one people were playing beer pong like they had the whole uh boat to themselves so someone was sitting up front someone was sitting in the back they were playing beer pong so it's like people get really creative on um how to take photos in this it's absolutely hilarious mm-hmm. um and then of course look out for the water canyon when you're coming around that bend um and the other boat is going down um you can get splashed and it's like you can get really wet there so if you don't want that just kind of duck your head um and then of course a great tip is the more weight overall the bigger the splash you'll get if you put more weight in the front it will cause a bigger splash um i remember getting on with my dad him and i were in the front and then this other guy (laughs) and then this other guy got on he was like literally i'm not even kidding you he was like six seven with his like almost (laughs) toddler child so it looked very unproportional and um we flew we I think we got through that ride in like 10 minutes and so um huge splash it's so much fun so if you have like all your adult friends with you like absolutely load up that boat and get on there because you guys will get wet um so yeah it's it's a fun it's a fun ride and I rode it with a park on when it was chilly there and I still had fun it wasn't bad so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also think with that ride, you know, people finish like the big hill, the Chica is it Chickapen Hill versus yeah, Ch- Chickapen Hill, and you think, oh, I'm okay, I made it out. Like sometimes you like make it out, you're like, okay, I didn't get wet, this is great, and then lo and behold, there's this very annoying waterfall at the end that if you sit on the right side of the boat. You will get hit, and they do not turn that off in the winter time. We have been there in December <laughs> and January, and you get stuck at this spot, and just water hits you the entire time, and it's the most irritating yeah. because you're like, I missed this giant hill, and then this little waterfall hits you. So that is that is that. so true, uh, Lydia. Good pick, good pick. Uh, definitely a, a classic attraction at the Magic Kingdom. Um, Hannah, what about you? What, what's your favorite boat ride? I would say my favorite is Pirates of the Caribbean. I am a huge fan of the movies and the ride came before the movies. And I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, my age and, and younger who grew up with the movies, like already kind of coming out or being out, don't necessarily always know. Um, but I just feel like it's such a good classic ride. And I know we talked a while back about it um, and how it's just like, like I said, it's a classic ride. And you think of going to Disney and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. It is a dark ride. Um, and the animatronics, I think, could be a little spooky for some of the younger kids. So that's definitely something you would want to look out for if you have, like, really little kids. Um, they, they could be a little bit creepy. Um, but I think it's really fun. It, like, winds through this fort and there's supplies and there's cannons and there's people fighting and a pirate ship. And you've got, like, the skeletons that... Um, like have stolen the treasure and they like go from skeleton back to person and you've got the voices of Barbosa and Jack Sparrow and um, the music from the movies plays in the background and it just you really feel like you're kind of in them and for someone who's a huge fan of of the movies and like getting to kind of live a part of that in the ride is so much fun um, yeah. yeah yeah it's one of my favorite boat rides in general across the parks um, there's a show on Disney plus called props and it's really cool. Um, because it talks about them using some of the actual props from the movies 
in the ride, like they've transitioned it um, over, which if you're a fan of the movies, that is really fun to watch um, to see those actual props being in, you know, the famous uh, parts of the Caribbean ride. But um, yeah, this ride is just classic Disney, have to ride it a few times when you go to Disney. Um, they, it really shows Disney's like storytelling side um, quickly, quote unquote quickly, like through a boat ride, like you get a lot of information, but you like, you leave there and you're like, okay, like I understand ex exactly what just happened. And it felt like watching the movie in a sense, like there's the little aspects like Hannah mentioned um, from the movie that if you're a fan of the movie, you definitely get in the ride. And uh, one cool fact. Oh, so one cool fact about it is there is um, a couple of skeleton pirates playing a game of chess. I think it's towards the beginning. And that is something that you can only find at the version at Walt Disney World. And the Imagineer who was designing the Walt Disney World one was kind of tasked with putting in like a fun little thing just for Walt Disney World. And so he has these two skeleton pirates playing chess. So a fun thing to keep your eyes out for. So you're going to give the fun fact, Bruce? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Bruce has a fun fact to this. This is my fun I fact. I, I love this this uh, imaginary, imaginary in a queue. And so not only are the skeletons playing chess, but they are in a position with the pieces that they have on the board that neither one can win. So they're gonna be playing chess in perpetuity forever. And so um, <laughs> what, what a great, great little touch and little detail uh, for mm -hmm. this attraction. Yeah, the queue is beautiful on this ride. Um, it's uh, like at um, Disneyland, it's all outside but in, for the most part, but in Disney World, it's all inside, and it's beautiful, and you walk through, like, jail cells, and you get down to, like, the docks, so you feel like you're outside. I mean, it's just a great ride, and um, another thing is they added, did you, uh, they added Jack Sparrow in after the ride, after the movies came out, which is pretty cool, so now you can kind of look out for him, and his animatronic is, like, a thousand times better than the other. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so it's awesome. <laughs> Much newer. It's right yeah. at the end, and he's kind of like sitting up in this big chair and singing mm -hmm. like a song, and so it's definitely a fun one to look out for. And I know mm -hmm. um, out in California, I don't know if he's ever done it in Florida, but I know that Johnny Depp has dressed up as Jack Sparrow and gone and like yeah. hidden among the animatronics mm -hmm. and then like jumped out and talked to people, um, which I just think is a fun little fact too. Yeah. And this ride was famous a few years ago or last year for taking out a very famous part of the ride. Um, the redhead, the woman um, that they were quote unquote auctioning off and they um, decided to um, make her more of like being in charge um, of uh, the crew and she became a pirate. And I know some of the people with Disney um, that, you know, long-term, long-term, time fans were upset about um but um at the same time you know it was probably the right call and um I think it looks awesome what they did with it and it's it's a really good part um now yeah, yeah. I actually I have a postcard of it oh, so nice. this is oh to look like and um yeah it, it's definitely not politically correct but it's also exactly what pirates did back in the 1700s <laughs> so um, but I get why they have to take out. So. Yeah. you know I, I, I think it was a, it was a good move um to to redesign and reimagineer that scene in the ride um you know it feels a little better now as you go go around that that scene um I I think that they missed the mark a little bit with the voice 
um, the voice character. It, it, we have all of these pirates throughout the ride and they're drunk and they're stumbling around and they're groggy with these voices. And then there's like this super like high pitched mom voice coming out of the female part. It just sounds like, oh, this is such a great, you know, reimagining of this scene. But why doesn't she sound like a pirate also? <laughs> because she is a pirate. So um, I think it was a great, great reimagining of the scene. Um, but I, I just, every time I go by there and I hear the voice, I'm like, oh, it should just be like super piratey. But um, I'll agree to disagree because I like the voice. I think it's fine. I can't recall it. <laughs> I know we've had that discussion on the boat before. Like we're sitting there and Bruce will make the comment of, I don't like this voice. And I'm like, I think the voice sounds fine. <laughs> you should just so. put a little, a few R's in there maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. And I think we can all agree at least though, that there's not much better than the smell of the water in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So um, Elizabeth is frozen. Um, so mm -hmm. Yeah. I even saw a post during this whole quarantine. Um, oh, give me one second. No, you're good. Well, Elizabeth is, is figuring okay. out her, her technology issues. We're having um, some technical difficulties. <laughs> is that better? Uh, no, not yet. Um, we can hear you, but we can't see you. So uh, you go ahead and figure that okay. out. I'm going to go ahead and talk about my favorite uh, boat ride um, at Walt Disney World, which is the Living with the Land attraction. So this is by no means a flashy attraction. Um, this is just classic, not even classic, I guess. It is, it is educational. It's classic Epcot, I should have said, um, where it's entertainment and education. And it is, it's called Living With The Land. It is a slow moving boat ride in the land pavilion. So right before you get to World Showcase. Um, and I thought that the description online said it best. So I'm gonna read the description to, uh, to you guys. Um, here, here it goes. So it says, see firsthand how Walt Disney World horticologists are using innovative growing techniques and crossbreeding high yield crops to help feed a growing planet. All right. So we're, we're, it's exciting already, right? Um, <laughs> discover a cornucopia of fruits and veggies from around the world. Every kid wants to see that. Uh, some mod <laughs> hey, ready? Some modified to jaw dropping effect. <laughs> Feast your eyes on edible food crops from around the world. Glimpse hybrid stripped bass, tilapia and catfish, and freshwater shrimp in our fish farm. On this eye-opening tour, you'll be inspired by a hopeful vision of farming's future. I mean, that is, that, I, that's as exciting as it gets. Uh, no, but, but not being facetious, this attraction, I don't know what it is about it. It is relaxing. Um, I love going through the different scenes, like the rainforest, the desert, the prairies, and then you get into the greenhouses and you're seeing how the, the Disney, uh, horticologists are building or, or, you know, growing these plants. There's a lot of hidden Mickey's. It has an incredibly fun overlay and it's so simple. It's just Christmas lights shining on fruits and vegetables. Uh, but there's something about this ride that I have to do it every time I'm in Epcot. And, um, it's, it's just so great. So, um, I'll stop, you know, geeking out about living with the land. Does anyone have anything to make fun of me about, uh, before we get to Elizabeth's ride? I love living with the land. I also, I love it. I love plants and nature and it's actually like, it's a really important topic that like everyone should know about. like hunger is a serious problem and it's, um, you know, we should discuss it more and talk about the farming industry because it is, you know, 
complex. So yeah, uh, <laughs> this breaks uh, you know, it down in like a really simple and fun and colorful way, which Disney does so well. Right, exactly. And something that people don't know is, excuse me, the, that they actually use these fruits and vegetables it, to, in the restaurants um, at the parks. So this is, a, you know, a working greenhouse farm that they actually are growing their own vegetables and fruits um, to, to serve on the plates of guests at Walt Disney World. Yeah, I've seen on a few of the buffets where they'll like make a mark um, of like, oh, this is from living with the land. This lettuce is from living with the land. Um, because if you've been on the ride, you've seen the hydroponic lettuce, um, which is like the lettuce um, floating in the air with all the pods. Um, but, you know, this ride to me, I love so much. Um, I, by trade, am a dietitian and I love fruits and veggies and I get so excited <laughs> just even talking about this ride. <laughs> wow. If you thought Bruce was a dork, I love this ride so much because I think Lydia said it best. Like it shows it in a really simple way, um, farming, but in a fun, like Disney way. Um, and it shows the, um, I don't want to get too sciencey, but it does show the future that can be, um, you know, where we don't have like food deserts. <laughs> okay. I'm getting too geeky right here, but like, it's such <laughs> a cool way to like show people there's more to farming than just like crops in the ground. And um, Disney, you can do a behind the scenes tour as well, which I've always wanted to do. So that is definitely on my bucket list um, of things to do at Disney. And I know if you're an annual pass holder DVC, you do get a discount on that tour. Um, and that's one where you can go behind the scenes and look at the greenhouse, um, greenhouses and a horticulturalist walks you around and talks to you about it. Um, and then the other part I wanted to mention, oh, go ahead. Where do you go to find like behind the scenes tours and like sign up for stuff like that? I think you, you just know? go to Walt Disney World's because Bruce, you've gone on a few tours before. You yeah. go what to Disney's website? Yeah, you can find it all on their website. Um, there are okay. tours. Um, my favorite to date is the behind the scenes of World Showcase at Epcot. Uh, but you can take tours where you interact with the animals or go on a jungle trek at the Animal Kingdom. You can do it at Living with the Land. Um, but you can find that all on your website, on Disney's website, excuse me. Um, but if you are, if you are, are looking to, to book any of those tours or, or book a vacation, definitely check out our website. Um, and one of our vacation planners can help you navigate that and uh, get any of those behind the scene tours. So yeah. I, I think that yeah. we have probably, oh, Elizabeth, we'll go one more. No, point I was just going to say the okay, one, one more point that I really like, <laughs> not only the greenhouse, do I love like floating the boat into the greenhouse. But I love looking at the different ecosystems that they take you through. Um, again, super dork. But I find those to be so fascinating. And if you look at the different topography, you can really see what is offered. Well, folks, the world. that's and all we have for our show tonight. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> It's really cool the way that Disney talks about it. And with oh God, there's there's more. No, no, with going have, through those ecosystems, you also get a glimpse on. of you also get a glimpse of Garden Grill, which yes. is um the restaurant um right above the ride. And you can um check that out when you go through um the Midwest part yes. of the ecosystem. Absolutely. <laughs> that was all I was gonna say. Check out Garden Grill where most of the food does come from Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you for um, all the added support you have for my attraction, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. I don't know if it was fake or it was real, but I appreciate it. <laughs>
stuff. Uh, you know me. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's move on to uh, our last pick, our last favorite boat ride. Elizabeth, what do you have for us? And it can't be living with a mic. It won't be. <laughs> right. um, okay, so across the park into the World Showcase, I have Frozen Ever After is mine. And I know this is going to be opinionated um, for some people. A lot of people, including myself, were anticipating the change from Norway's Maelstrom, which was the old boat ride to Frozen. And I know we've had this talk on here before of changing, you know, those World Showcases into Disney um, movies and it should they do that should they not do that but I thought they did a really great job here um, with changing over from Maelstrom to um, the Frozen ride the Frozen ride if you have um, a child that loves Frozen they are going to love this ride we took our niece on it and she absolutely loved this ride the first time she rode it um, she, you know you get to see Elsa um, you get to see Olaf, Anna, Kristoff, Sven like all of them in their animatronics and they take you on a really nice journey it is still the same track as the old um, Maelstrom so it can be a little jerky at times um, and the my favorite part in this whole ride is when they take you up the hill and then she's singing you know her famous song let it go and they pull you back and you go flying through as she casts the spell to send you backwards and it's just um it's a i think they did a really great job on the um kind of like pirates they were able to tell the story of frozen on a boat ride and they were able to tell it well and you get off the ride and you know what happens in frozen so if you've never even seen it the other thing that I really liked about it is the loading dock area. You feel like you're in a little, you know, Arendelle town, like right there, um, which I thought they did really great. And then I know, and Bruce, you can correct me, but they have some aspects of Maelstrom that they've kept um, from there just as a highlight to not forget that famous ride, um, which is good for those of us that aren't as appreciative of the change. So, Yeah, Elizabeth, I do. I want to comment that I, I think this is a great pick. Um, I was a little nervous when they said that they were going to start incorporating Arendelle into the Norway Pavilion, especially um, changing out Maelstrom for uh, Frozen Ever After. But I have to say, I really do think that the addition of Arendelle, the meet and greet, um, the, the attraction is a value add to the pavilion. I, I, I really do enjoy it. I think it's um, it, the, the way that they've aesthetically redone some of that pavilion is, is really great. And it really does do a nice job of blending the real Norway with Arendelle. Um, and so I think the attraction is well done. You know, the animatronics on here are in, in the attraction are, are really new. Um, so it's blank faces with projection, um, CGI on them. So, um, a new type of animatronic. Um, and, and it's just, it's overall a really just a, a fun ride. And, and to your point, the queue inside is really cute. The Arendelle town. Um, so I, but I will say if we're, we were talking about fast passes earlier, this is a must have fast pass, uh, because the line for this attraction can really get really, really long. So very long. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce, I think they did overall, not just looking at the ride itself, but we could do a whole podcast of the countries. And they did such a good job with the addition of Arendelle to Norway that you don't even feel like it's just like one, you know, and you still have the history of Norway. So that's nice. Exactly. I think just hope um, that, oh, go ahead, Hannah. 
No, I was just going to say, I think that, like you said, Elizabeth, a lot of people, you know, are resistant or it's a very controversial topic of whether or not to bring in the princesses and the characters into the countries. But like this has been done so seamlessly. And I think that it could get a lot of kids who wouldn't necessarily be super interested in the country pavilions, excited about the pavilions and then excited to learn about the countries and experience the different cultures because they can relate it back to a movie that they love. So I feel That's like the way point. that they've done this um, could bode really well if they continue to do that and are able to execute it as well for some of the other countries. I think you're okay. absolutely right. And that's what I think they're, they're starting to incorporate um, over in the France Pavilion with uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Um, that ride's coming over from Disneyland Paris and will be in Epcot later this year. Um, and in my conversation with Val, uh, an episode that we released uh, a couple of episodes ago, we, we go into depth on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. And I think it's going to be an attraction that will definitely get more people in the France Pavilion. Um, and so uh, to your point, I think there's a fine balance between adding fictional characters to World Showcase. And as long as they, they continue to toe that line and do it in a manner where we keep the cultural representation, but also get the interest of, of everybody, I think is a win for, for everybody. Yeah, I, that's just the only thing I worry about is like, I don't want kids to look at Norway and be like, wait, this is a real place. And like, then it become like this, uh, I don't know, like made up fantasy world and kind of then not respect the culture of because of it. Um, so I don't know. I just, I was hesitant. I, I was one of those people that was like, they're putting Frozen into Norway. Like, it's just the hype, like it's going to calm down. But, you know, Frozen has proven to be like a great film franchise. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a good addition. I just think that they need to do that in the other countries if they're going to do it in Norway. Like they can't just do it in Norway that, and then just France. Like they're going to have to, I don't know, do it in yeah. every country. Well, they have um, Mary Poppins coming to um, England. So I think to everyone's, we always say this to everyone's point, um, they will like add a little bit of that Disney flair because I think that also gets people who aren't the like quote unquote, like original Epcot before Disney IP came in type of situation. Um, it gets them interested in coming to that park because if you were to tell a, you know, a family of four, let's say with two small kids, Oh, go to Epcot or showcase. It talks about countries versus go to magic kingdom where you can meet princesses and, you know, ride rides. They're going to be like, I'm going to magic kingdom, <laughs> you know, like that's not as interesting to them. So this can be a way to pull them over there. I also feel like, and this could just be like my own observation, but within the past few years, Disney has been making films and content that is centered in other countries that just happen to be in the world showcase. <laughs> and um, so I'm wondering if like, they're kind of going to go through them all and, you know, come up with something that accurately represents that culture, but also is a great film. Like Coco is, you know, it was like the highest grossing movie in Mexico because it was so culturally accurate um in terms of like their day of the dead and how their family interacts and so i think i would well, be getting rid of that duck ride in mexico <laughs> i know bruce <laughs> loves the, the mexico yeah, boat ride but yes. i would be fine with that yeah <laughs> I, I would be <laughs> fine with that mm -hmm. yeah well they did have that little yeah. like coco yeah, pavilion coco. yeah but with mulan coming yeah out, you know i mean they already have mulan there Great, right. but it will be interesting to see if they do something more interactive with the movie coming out um, here. So, sure, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's good, and I definitely think um, a larger discussion on World Showcase 
um, we could definitely have in a later episode because uh, there's just so much there. So um, does anyone have anything to add before we wrap up? No, nothing about living with the land? I could go on. My postcard <laughs> is not for sale. Oh, okay. Good to know. All right. My postcard is not for sale, but unless uh, you guys want to bid like a million dollars, I'll take that. Oh, right. A million dollar bid, start, starting at a million dollars. All right. Well, to our listeners and our viewers, thank you for tuning in this week. We appreciate you taking your time to listen to us. If you liked our content, subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube and give this video a thumbs up. Follow us on Facebook at Forosan and Beyond Vacation Company. And to stay in the know, check out our blog page at www.forosanvacations.com backslash in the know. So guys, until episode 14 next week, take care and I'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 See ya.